0: From multiple wing dinging locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm
1: Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games.
0: For this week's episode, our topics are fonts and jank. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Jank.
2: The way you read jank was great.
0: I'm really, awesome. I'm excited. Jank.
2: Like mm-hmm. there was a little bit of jank in your voice when you said it. Beautiful. <laughs>
0: I'm getting a closer on. I'm getting a clearer understanding now since it must be, I must be channeling jank.
2: <laughs> well, good, good. I'm glad one of us has.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous and excited for that conversation when we get to it. <laughs> um, well, this is the first round table. From us of 2021. Welcome to the new year. um, Though we've been in this year for three months now. It's March. Uh, (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's wild.
1: It's been, been, this is the 13th month of March.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it feels. Like, Mm. wait, it's March again? Is it the same March as Mm -hmm. before?
2: Yeah, we had, we had, we had cold March and we had, holiday march mm-hmm. we had thanksgiving march um and now it's just March s- second march now i guess yeah so it's coming up new uh, march he's coming march. up march- for us
0: <laughs> march, 2.0. march march yeah. yes <laughs> oh, wild so well, yeah it's good to be back doing podcast stuff again um yeah. but what else what have you been doing with your Februarys and Stuff other than Roboson because we have a whole episode where we talked about that.
1: Yeah, we're done talking about that forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Um,
2: yeah, I, I've actually bought a bunch of random things. Um, mm-hmm. Chinese New Year was um, last month, or I guess for us it's still this month. This is the last day of February for us, but this will be out in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I get I get a really significant bonus from work. Um, that time, Ooh. and I've been using that bonus to buy random things. I bought a new monitor. I have new headphones that I'm listening to this um, us recording this through it now. Uh, what else? I bought a whole bunch of other stuff. I can't think of it at the moment. But mm-hmm. Oh, I got a, I got an eye mask for sleeping. Nice. Oh, you,
1: you were saying you were going to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's been kind of weird, because like, while I'm sleeping, I sleep on my side, and I think I like shove the eye mask into my eye, which is... <laughs>
3: Not, not, a, not a very
2: comfortable
1: sleeping so mi- environment. M- mixed result.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so I'm still working with that, but like I'm I, um, interested in it, you know, helping me sleep better because I have a hard time sleeping in the I, I think I'm more sensitive to the transition between night and day mm-hmm. than most people are. Um, so I figured that this eye mask thing would help me. Um, I, I don't know that it has yet because every time I've used it, I've woken up at a time I normally have. It might just be my internal clock just makes me wake up and not the daylight like I thought it was. So, yeah, it, it would, it's valuable to have spent 30 bucks
1: to know that <laughs> as someone with the exact opposite problem. But I have no internal chronometer yeah. whatsoever. Like, it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear you describe what is something I can never have as a problem. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah, like, but then I hear the and I in hear my you
1: routine describing,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well no, I, and then I hear you describing like sleeping for like 12 hours and I'm like, "Wow, that's so amazing. I wish I could do that." <laughs> if I stay up super late, I just get 5 hours of sleep and that's just how I have to live in the world. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> yeah, it's it's something else. Uh oh, that's great.
1: Well, I also but, bought but um something to make me feel better in February. Which is, I bought a mm-hmm. new MIDI keyboard, which I'd been meaning to do for a little bit, a little while. Um, it's, I'll put a link to it in the show notes because I, I, recommend it if someone wants to get into music at a low price, like a high quality little device. Um, when, when I was younger, I, I, I recorded a lot of instruments and, and had a whole like audio setup and a bunch of gear, but I didn't use it a lot because it wasn't like my main thing. And so it didn't get a lot of use. It was just sort of like, cause it took a lot to set up. And, um, and then when I went to just, using a little USB MIDI keyboard for everything, uh, I started writing a lot more music. And um, I, I just got an upgraded version of that model. It's like $120. It's really cool. I'll put a link to that. And the reason I did it was because um, a friend of the show and previous guest, Chell Wong, um, has a thing that uh, she does every year where she recruits a bunch of people for uh, to write a song in the month of February for, a, it's like a game jam, but for pieces of music. And lots of game composers are part of it and then releases it as a, uh, a charity album for able gamers, And so I decided to volunteer to, to submit something this year um, because I needed kind of an excuse to make some music, and it seemed like a cool, fun cause. And so I, I did that, and that's that, uh, it, it is the last day of February, and so uh, it's not out yet, um, and I think it will be out sometime in March. I'll have, I might have the details for the, the show notes, but I'm really pleased with what I ended up with. Which usually when I write music, I do it very quickly, and it's good enough. And (laughs) I'm like this one I was able to sit with and spend some more time with, and I had like a bigger concept for it. And um, I'm pretty happy. It's a new kind of thing for me. I'll maybe we'll do a clip of it uh, in the show notes for people to listen to. But because it's going on this album, if you want to hear the whole thing, you should buy that album. And we'll try to have those details if they're available when we publish this thing. Yeah, Ellen,
0: Ellen, did you buy anything? (laughs) I did. I buy. I'm sure I did. What did I buy? I bought, bought some stuff off the out, some retail, online retail therapy, mm-hmm. um, and bought some books, bought some Ooh. fiction books, sci-fi. Ah. Um, Steven, I think it's Bruce or Brust. I can't remember how to pronounce it, but he's actually a saint. He's actually lives in St. Paul. He's a Minnesotan oh. author <laughs> of like, sci-fi slash, slash fantasy stuff. So um, I had one of those moments. Like I remember there was a book that I found on a shelf. I remember what it looked like, but I couldn't remember what it was called, and I couldn't remember who had who wrote it and so I googled it and I googled it, and my Google foo came through, and I was able to track it down, so I bought the first like nine books in the series <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Dang>. <laughs> um, was nice.
0: well, I found a cool online used bookstore i don't I like buying used things um because I don't like generating waste um. Mm-hmm. So, like, I buy most of my clothes used. I I try to buy used books when I can because I like paper. Mm-hmm. I like reading things on paper instead of yeah. reading things on a screen. Yeah. But I also don't like. yeah you know, Why? Why make new things when there are plenty of good, usable, used things out there? Mm-hmm. Um. So I found a really good deal and got like ten books for twenty bucks or something like that. It's nice. So I'm pumped.
1: That's great. And finding the time to read it all yes. is, the, is the next challenge.
0: <laughs> when they, Oh, I'll make the time. It'll get back to what Stephen was saying. You stay up late and then you wake up at the same time. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if our next retorting session, I'm looking particularly tired, then you know why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, speaking of books, my topic for today was supposed to be or originally planned to be a a book review. Um, We established that as a format on the show. And I was going to do a book review of a new uh, book from Jason Schreier, who is um, an investigative reporter. He worked for Kotaku for a long time. He's at Bloomberg now. Um, He wrote a book uh, that I always recommend to people called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. um, That had a lot of original reporting and talked about uh, the development of of games. Great story about Stardew Valley in particular in there is really good. Lots of really great stories. And his follow-up is called Press Reset, and it's about uh, sort of the opposite of that when things go wrong, when studios close and, and, and sort of restarting and rebuilding and how that industry works. And it's less about development and more about the um, and for ground level. So from the developer perspective mm-hmm. um, and, um, and because Nice Games Club has been around a little while, we're on a couple of press lists. Um, and so I got an early copy of this book and I've been reading it and I'm really enjoying it, but it doesn't come out till May, I think. Maybe I'll, I'll, we'll put a link so people can kind of check it out um and so i i'm instead of talking about it now i'm gonna wait until a little closer to release uh there's no embargo as far as i know but i figure it'll be more relevant once people are maybe can maybe get it in their hands or get it in their hands shortly um but i've been really i've been enjoying it so I, i'm now that we are on uh we can get uh, books early maybe we can start um doing more regular advanced book reviews on the show that would be kind of fun Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but my topic for today is not that, uh, I, uh, called an audible. I'm going to talk about fonts because I love fonts, you guys so much. I love them so much. So I'm going <laughs> to talk about them for a little while until you make me stop it's related to books. Yeah. Related to books. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, you know, as a graphic designer, it's a t- typography is of great interest to me and I'm sure listeners have probably heard me talk about that from time to time. And, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of like typesetting and just give a little bit of a background because some of it's really fascinating on the technical side, but I also want to talk about how you use typefaces and fonts in your expression because when we were doing Robostin, a lot of the materials that we needed to make um, required a lot of layout, a so text layout. And, um, and, and that got really got me thinking about how you do that to express um a notion not just about like am i going to use a modern font or an old-fashioned font or something like that i think that's a pretty basic idea but also like uh density on a page and how something flows and like a lot of those things and and what they and the sort of like language that we use um and how we interact with fonts and where that where those things come from where does that you know why do we associate um like a clean modern like a helvetica with both the new york subway and with government services like why do we make that association like and there's a lot of really historic interesting historical mm-hmm. elements and then as artists do we leverage those connections in order to express what we want to express or do we try to form new connections and and how, what what's the task of that um, so I want to get into a little bit that and hear about your guys' thoughts uh, on stuff like that but I want to a little bit about history as this sort of thing because you know uh, typefaces fonts I mean it, like, there's like the Gutenberg Bible and the history of printing. But the first instance, really, of like a typeset is uh, can be traced back to like those um, straight uh, uh, letterings on like Roman buildings, the, the V's instead of U's, that sort of thing. Oh, that, that's kind of the first instance yeah. <laughs> of like a typeset. Um, and a lot of what hmm. we think of in terms of like display signage can really be traced back to that notion um and a lot of times you'll watch like a a, a, um a a film that like depicts a historical era and you'll see like old-fashioned signs on old ye old shoppies or whatever but really that up until more of a modern era the signage was not a very common thing um you know even hand-painted signs were not as as common as you might think they would be like the old-timey versions of a printed poster would be a hand-painted poster it doesn't it, the idea of actually displaying type is r- is relatively modern. It'll only the past couple hundred years, where that's been more common. But going further back, this, these Roman buildings that still have these uh, phrases etched on them—that's that was a part of that culture. And we get a lot of our notions of how authoritative type and authoritative signage works comes right from that, which is really interesting. And that carries hmm. into all the work that we do now. Um, and what it also tells you is that, like, what up until recently. A lot of the way that fonts and typefaces looked come from the tools that were used to create them. So the reason they're V's and not U's is because you could chisel them easier, you know. Um, <laughs> and yeah. and it's definitely true of 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 um, of certain affordances that are done to uh, hand lettering uh, for professional type, uh, professional uh, letterers, people who would copy the Bible. You know, um, the way that those uh, the way that <laughs> letter forms developed had a lot to do with their workflow and the materials they used. And, um, you know, serifs work a little bit the way they do in, in, uh, in printing because of the way that they collect ink as they're printed. The, the ink pools in a certain way. It makes things more legible. Um, uh, when, when, when the bleed happens, it controls how that happens. And we lose a lot of that, but we still have the associations that are then were formed because of those decisions that were made. And I think that's really interesting when we think about it's a good analogy. It's a good metaphor for other types of creative choices we make that we think are associated with a certain thing, like, sometimes it's really helpful to like, think back as to why that is and not just where it comes from and and how, what that means and what about it is arbitrary and what about it is connected to maybe a thing you're not certain of. It can help you be a little bit more deliberate about the choices you make. And I think fonts are like a really clean way to engage with that concept. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is the thing that, is, that we're brings me into the fold in terms of my like particular interest in it which is like 20th century typography and particularly like modernism like the international typographic style which is like helvetica or gil sands or those like clean you know non serif or sans serif uh, typefaces and that comes from a a, um, a movement in that started in the 20s um and it's where uh, it's where helvetica comes from it was popularized in the 50s and 60s and associated with modernism but a lot of it comes from the 20s and those movements uh um that then eventually found their way um uh, to the 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 applications where we associate them with so uh, uh um uh things like the new york subway system or it, um you know or a, a a government uh at least in mid century like you think of like the the fbi building in in dc like it has a very government look but that's actually a mid century modernist kind of approach to building buildings it was a way to replace the classic uh, Roman co- or uh, Greek column style that was so associated with mm-hmm. American government, it, it was like a different, so we had these sort of two multiple identities associated with these movements in architecture and history yeah. and, and, in, and, and how they tie together with, in this case, typefaces. Um, the thing that's really interesting to me about this is that the reason the New York subway uses Helvetica is not, that wasn't the choice they made because they decided that's what it was going to be clean and modern and, and, and standardized. That comes from uh, or was influenced by um, the the London Underground, which was, um, you know, um, a lot of those um, subway systems were disparate networks, right? Um, a, a privately run track, and they would have their own types of signage and their own branding. And the London Underground, uh, uh, when it was starting to put all this together, um, wanted to have uh, um, uh, to specifically against that kind of confusion Wanted to have a standard system because other cities like New York, in particular, have lots of you know confusing signage and different maps and all that stuff. And so part of that, the simple, clean look right. of that modernist style, evoked that as an ideology. And so they 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 actually commissioned a font uh, called Johnston um, that is still used uh, by the London Underground today, and that established that look for that kind of system, like that clean modernist style. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the the Paris Metro. Its original signage is this ornate Victorian kind of look. And even today, it, it, its identity is kind of mixed in. It doesn't have the same kind of modernist look that, that like New York or, or London does in those systems. But we associate like subway systems, and certainly I do, because the game I'm making that, that uses a lot of subway iconography is very tied to that look. And that just comes from these sort of interesting associations. Um, and it makes me think about a lot about design as ideology. Like modernism is a, a, a sense of like, it's not just that it looks good, it's that it's the way it works. And that informs a lot of how like uh, how, like aesthetics inter- cross uh, po- uh, pollinated with like usability and th- the fonts you choose and like yeah. how they're readable. And like, that's a perfect distillation of that. Like the modernism as ideology is also in architecture and it's also in modern art. And it's in other types of fields where it's a little bit more dogmatic and a little prescriptive. Um, But in terms of uh typography, it has a lot of utility that's still very useful today, uh, which I, I find really fascinating.
2: That's really interesting because, like, there's like an aspect of world building almost yeah. that what you're describing. It's um, exactly right. From these fonts that I never and I, I never would have even thought about, and like, mm-hmm. I think that like, man, even the fonts can change. Uh, I, I I know that like the fonts can change how the 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 a player perceives the game. But yep. like even that the fonts can change how the player perceives the stories and the narratives and and and, and the world on its own is that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like the heck.
1: You know, I think all the time, like, how many how many RPGs have you seen with like detailed, ornate artistic style? A lot of like JRPGs are sort of influenced by Uh, like a European Victorianism. It's it's, influenced a lot of that, that aesthetics. And yet the, the typefaces will be like, you know, the numbers flying off enemies or whatever will be completely don't match with that at all. But that disassociation between those two things is now part of that style Mm -hmm. in in a really interesting way. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of that comes from like how you could render fonts on an eight bit machine. And then that became associated with that genre. But then as the aesthetics of the character design evolved and moved forward, it still held on to a lot of those things. So I, I always find it's interesting when you think of look at a, a video game genre, you're not very familiar with and look mm-hmm. for it's like touchstones in its different aesthetic choices. A lot of time and, and fonts come into that as well. And a lot of it will confuse you if you don't come up and experience those the way where you see the lineage, you know? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, wow. you're talking about this initially and like the, the, the modernism or the modernist philosophy behind font choices, mm-hmm. uh, a few different games came to mind. And one of them was um, the, I played it on mobile. I think it's also on um, steam, but it's called mini Metro. I'm sure you've yeah. played it. Um, I,
1: have, I have opinions on that game.
0: Yes, you do. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But I'm um, only, I'm only bringing it up for the fonts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And it did see, it did really like capture. I think they really tried to capture not just the aesthetic, like the font choices, Mm -hmm. of um, familiar like Metro systems, but also just like the way that they use the lines and everything like that. Um, And a couple other games that came to mind, not because they made necessarily similar choices, but the fonts were impactful Um, night in the woods. Like Mm -hmm. the way that the characters, I mean, so much of the story, the story is prime in that game. Right. And so much of the story is conveyed via dialogue yeah. And the the like the letters that appear in the dialogue bubbles are different colors and they're a little wiggly, they move a little bit, and yeah, they're like approachable and personal and they don't feel like perfectly they don't feel chiseled, they feel scribbled. Um yes. it makes it very like relatable. And then one other one other game that always I always like the font. I just like the way that the UI works and the font is a big part of that, destiny. I just yeah. really like how they work. You know, it's not yeah. yes, they look fine. but I like how they work. And that's kind of, that's what reminded me of that game was what you were talking about in terms of it has to not just look good. It also has to work.
1: Destiny is an interesting example because it is um, it's aesthetics and its character design is really (laughs) ornate. And part (laughs) of that is that's a game design choice to, because of how players interact with that game is (laughs) they, they, a lot of individual individuality needs to be expressed. And so clean, simple lines is not good for character design in that game and so they formed a lot around expression and and um, and that that's a, that ornate aesthetic which is a, a, as a sci-fi thing is interesting but then yeah their typography is very airy mm-hmm. right and very and very clean and has space and their layouts mm-hmm. are really interesting and the combination of those two things says something about the story they tell um, I I don't like destiny that much but I think that's a re- really good creative use of existing aesthetics in a way that um it, it seems like it shouldn't work if you if you tell someone that's how it works but like it does feel like a whole piece and i really like that about it
2: huh yeah and now now that i'm thinking about it i, I guess this is not exactly related it's related to games but not quite that but like i mm-hmm. read a lot of web comics and yeah. one of the web comics that i read like they they were originally comics, and then they've been posted as like free web comics. That's I guess that's why I'm reading them now. But um, <laughs> um, what 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 what's interesting is like uh, the 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 author will go into detail on why he made like some of the font choices and like like how he did all of, like the, the the like the bubble line of the bubble tails and things like that. There's like a mm-hmm. whole thing that comic yeah. book creators like you know go in and think about and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and, and I didn't really think about this before, but like a lot of the comic books that I read have different fonts and like the, and have uh, different characters will speak with different fonts and those fonts will give you a, an impression on how this character is speaking. It's not just like this character is speaking in all caps. So they're yelling at you. It's like, you know, it's like some, some of the, some of the fonts are like, um i guess like you were like ellen how you were describing that in the woods like some of them feel like they're sketched oh mm-hmm. sketched mm-hmm. or like and and but like with some other with some other web comics the, the the lines are clean and things like that yeah. um some character like some one of the comics i read has robots in it and like the robots will be in a very uh um you'd see it on um visual studio code or something this kind of font you know
0: <laughs> uh-huh. and
2: it's like that yeah like that that is it 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 adds some it adds some character to your game um, mm-hmm. in a way that um, I I appreciate it, but I didn't yeah. like really 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 think about very hard. Like I know that I'm doing that in in Rhythm Rumble. Like we have to, we have a few different fonts and stuff, and a lot of the fonts are like um, I, don't how, I don't know how I would describe the fonts, but they're like y looking because uh, sure. a lot of the aesthetics that we picked for the game originally were kind of based off of EDM sort of stuff mm-hmm. it, it fe- and so it was supposed to feel a little bit more futuristicy but like we've since added a bunch more musical um, genres and things like that but we generally speaking we still use those fonts um, and so like the game still kind of has a more uh, techno vibe I think as a result of
1: yeah the- which is interesting because rhythm Rumble does feel like a game that would be really well suited towards using that that language mm-hmm. to to differentiate between characters because those touchstones are so specific. Because of the right. different genres of music that that game represents. Um, yeah. You know, finding a perfect pairing is, you know, you have like, I mean, the metal won't be that hard, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, your example about web, web comics, uh, um, one of the more famous examples of this kind of technique is like in in like Marvel comics where um, it's a, a standard comic lettering is all caps. And I always yeah. found that really interesting, uh, at least on, in Marvel anyway, um, Is is interesting because it means that like expressing an all caps sentiment needs to use a different language like a like bold face or mm-hmm. outlined or things like that yeah. and um like a character like thor speaks in mm-hmm. kind of a more scripty kind of uh face and that's been true mm-hmm. i think since the character was introduced and it kind of it implies an accent right like yeah. <laughs> in in a way um mm-hmm. and one and one of the things like the uh when marvel relaunched its its um it's line in 2000-ish or whatever, uh, uh, their ultimate line, which is like rebooting all their comics, but, uh, but leaving their old comics to keep publishing. Mm-hmm. Those characters all spoke w- with a sentence case, so so with lowercase letters where, where necessary. And ch- mm-hmm. all, all their comics worked that way. And then later, when they, when they had when they'd have crossover uh, between those two universes, they would remi- the people from the, that, that universe would speak with that with the same uh, sentence case. Where the people Look. from the original Marvel universe would speak in all caps, oh. and so that was a clue to the reader where that character came from. You know, yeah. you could tell us you could tell a story about someone in the wrong universe, and that would be a clue. You know, like the first time they speak or something. Um, yeah. So That's there's cool. there's lots of mechanical uses for these kinds of things that that can be a little winky, um, but a lot of times just use like like the way you are describing those web comics to sort of um, let you hear the voice in a way. Yeah. And that yeah. only works because you have those associations. So the longest time, anything technical, like in the 70s and 80s, and even into the 90s, something that was supposed to be futuristic looked like um, the the letters that would be on the bottom of a check, right? The, yeah. those ty- mm-hmm. That type of font. And the reason is because that, the, and the reason those letters look that way is so that computers could read them off a printed page for optical right. character recognition. They're not, and, and yet for the longest time, they were used to show computery things like on a computer mm-hmm. screen. Or, mm-hmm. or, or in a title sequence, but the reason that font looks like that way is, is because that's to be printed on paper. But the connection is still drawn because we associate it with technology. But you yeah. couldn't get away with that now because we don't treat that does not that seems old fashioned to us in a sense. Yeah. Uh, now, it, like we only, we only see that font on old things, and so it wouldn't yeah. make sense anymore for a, for a technical uh, a milieu, right?
0: Unless, yeah, I've I've seen a few things where it's like. It's a cyberpunk story, so it's futuristic, but it's yeah. told using like retro aesthetics. Yes, and that's a fun that's a fun mashup. It's yeah, like, our
1: history is rich enough now that we can we can do that kind of thing. We can tell an old fashioned futuristic story, or the 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 future as if the, what the '80s thought the future was like. You know, exactly. Uh, you see yeah. tube televisions used for that purpose, right? right? Where you'll see like you'll see something that is meant to be retro futuristic, and you'll see tube TVs, and this mm-hmm. is essentially steampunk was the first time we were able to do this as a culture but now we have more more things now because we've been imagining the future for long enough and uh, those things have been outdated more than once that we can now mix together these things in a way that gives us more more chances to tell interesting kind of weird perspective stories and, and have those little signposts uh, that do that you know
3: yeah. cool.
1: all right I want to talk about uh, computer fonts real quick Um, before we wrap this topic up because I think this is super interesting Um, and it also about just how these things work on your machine right because as a developer (laughs) like I I think I want to keep this topic to talking about the sort of like artistic properties of of this but some of that does interact with how you work with these things and um, computer fonts originally were made for printers um, like vector fonts Um, you had um, you know you had like dot matrix printers that could print uh, uh, characters with, uh, with like a, a crude pixel grid on a, on a piece of paper. And that was interesting. But prior to that, when you printed something from a computer, it used an automatic typewriter. You know, you had a, 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 hmm. a, a, a little typewriter ball would print it onto a page, even though the computer told it what to say. So you didn't have any options. So it was a big deal when you could have printers that could print, um, you know, vector fonts at any size. Um, and so you would install the font on your printer. And that limited like the types of fonts you had because you, you, you license them individually in a way that you don't really these days. It's much more, even if you're a designer, you tend to kind of work with what you got. Um, yeah. And occasionally you'll, you'll get something because there are a lot of options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're working in like commercial print or you're working in, in other industries, you do tend to license fonts more often. But it used to be you had to license them. And so they'd be on the printer you bought and then you can get pa- packs on top of it. But um, as is the case today, Adobe is the company that led the way on this uh, through a format called PostScript. And this is actually a turing complete programming language, weirdly, Mm -hmm. but it'll describe uh, the uh, vector shapes of a font, and then the the printer will then print it at any size. Um, And the companies that have been involved in this from the the early desktop publishing all the way to today are Adobe, uh, Microsoft, and Apple. Those are the three companies that have made that have been consistently making innovations uh, throughout uh, the history of it. And uh, uh, so Adobe invented this kind of system. And, but PostScript was not very good for uh, display. So, um, so um, uh, Apple came up with a way to, to put get PostScript fonts onto a display. Microsoft came up with a way. Adobe came up with a way. None of those worked. None of them like, became the, the thing, but eventually it standardized. Uh, Microsoft and Apple together in the late 80s um, uh, develop, co-developed uh, True, uh, True Type, so you'll see TTF as a font format. That's True Type, and that's one of the earliest collaborations between Microsoft and Apple. Um, and it was a competitor to PostScript, um, but as is often the case, like it, uh, even though it was better and it was also usable for display, there just weren't enough fonts in it. And so it wasn't until the next decade in the '90s when Microsoft and Adobe combined those two formats into OpenType. So you'll see OTF. Is the current format that was in the mid 90s and that is the that is now a standard it's been it's a it's a public it's an open source standard and um all the big tech companies will then contribute to it and so things like uh variable type fonts or um uh like ligatures and hinting and all the things that font modern fonts have they get added to the standard over time so it's an interesting case of like how recent the history of this is and how completely like there hasn't been a lot of competition as these three companies pawing at the same idea and then, st- and then agreeing on it eventually, yeah. um, which is sort of interesting. And yeah. uh, and a lot of that ultimately is um, uh, influenced even more. So PostScript turned into PDFs. So a PDF <laughs> is uses the exact same technology, um, yeah. an Adobe Illustrator file, which is the standard for vector uh, cr- uh, art across the whole world, that comes from this technology. And so it, it is how we expressed... Uh, these things at different sizes and so i find that super fascinating that like a lot of these things like get used for other things and that's one of the things that's interesting about typefaces that they are a technical expression of an artistic idea and um it's it's not just in their expression but in their in the um the technology that over time used to create it so just like with the you know the uh, uh, signage on a roman building um like the way that those letter forms looked were dependent on the tools that made them a lot of font technology works the way it does for that reason uh, variable fonts where you can the user can change how thick or thin they are is a newer standard for open type but it mm. the workflow for you for for artists is not very established and there's something about light regular and bold like categories of of font weight that makes sense to a user and so variable fonts uh still have had a hard time getting any kind of traction amongst users And so you find a lot of times these technologies will interact with how people, how people, the language of art that people have. Like if you have a font that can change thickness down to the minuscule amount, what value is that to you? But is the only reason it doesn't seem that valuable is because we don't have a history of creating things that way? Mm -hmm. You know, like what if how thick something was coordinated with how loud it sounded when you said it? But that's not really how it works. Uh, Very heavy, uh, heavy weighted bold fonts used as display. On like a, a, a magazine print ad or the header of a of a website, they don't feel like someone's yelling. It's not the language yeah. you use for that, but in a comic book word balloon, they would. Right. Um, so I find that so. Like the language of it is relatively limited, but its applications are so vast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the technologies that we have to express that are still being developed, even though it's yeah. a relatively simple system. Ultimately, you know. Huh.
0: Well, it's one of those things where you have a simple rule set, but a wide possibility of applications. Like, I mean, there are 12 notes in the Western, in like in the music scale, right? Yeah. Still making yeah, yeah. new music. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and it kind of reminds me of that from a philo- philosophical perspective. But I'm never, I'm going to look at signs differently from now on and probably games too.
1: <laughs> That's a good analogy with music because microtonal music has been around for a long, long time. But it has not taken. It still is an exception to what we normally do because the language, the momentum, the language of those twelve notes is so strong. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. This is really cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> My mind is a little bit blown. I think at this yeah. moment, it's kind of weird for me to think about like fonts, or it's kind of weird to me that like I've thought of, I, I recognize that fonts exist, but like it's <laughs> weird to think about. Fonts in this way that like I don't <laughs> I don't know yeah. my mind's still blown I can't fully <laughs> process my words.
0: <laughs> you know I want to I want to revisit this topic with Adia because oh. you know you see some really interesting font you know font usage with text based games like you know Bill Twine or Ink
3: yeah um, right
0: yeah I'm, I'm curious how she thinks about those decisions the fonts the font choice and the impact on gameplay when when the font choice makes up a much bigger portion of the creative experience like the experience for the player um yeah. so put a pin in that
1: i will tell you one of the interesting things about being someone who is obsessed with fonts and, and and when i when i do write something that's going to be displayed somewhere that it's not just it's text a lot of times the the letter forms i choose and the layout that I have really influence the words that I pick to say um, mm-hmm. in a way that I think is not really talked about enough. Um, Interesting. And I, I uh, that's I think that's something that would be worth talking to Adia about and to a lot of people about, like, how the, the medium influences the message, right? And how yeah. sometimes it's subconscious. We don't always recognize that that's the case. But, yeah, we should be revisiting this topic for a 100 reasons. Um, <laughs> for, and certainly things like, you know, how do you get fonts in your game? How do you license fonts? Some of the technical stuff that we didn't have time for this time but like it, you know, raster fonts and just all sorts of it's it's so and the tools available to us and the tools we don't have and maybe that's the reason why we don't have a wide enough expression that we could and I don't know it's all super fascinating yeah so let, sure. thank you for letting me uh, yammer on for a little bit about it <laughs> it, was, it's worth, it was worth it
2: hey listeners it's been a while how you doing i i I didn't hear your answers just then because this is a podcast you're listening to me but i can't listen to you um but you know you can you can have a conversation with a friend if they were to listen to the podcast um so you can send it to um to another to, to somebody you know somebody you care about somebody who you cherish and want to um share the nice games club love uh Um, And really, the show gets a lot better if we have more listeners because we get more feedback, we get a better understanding of what our our audience wants, we can provide that content for you. Um, And you can form your own Nice Games Club with this content. Um, So you can send send it to a friend through email, on Discord, on Twitter, on Facebook, any of the social media things. Um, We'd really appreciate it because... Oh, the more of the more of us uh, the more of us listening to us the better we get yep those are that's a phrase
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: strong showing steven
3: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i mean listener there's lots of reasons to share the show but yeah. if, if if that heartfelt uh Messaging from Stephen just now uh, didn't convince you. I mean, I don't even know if we, know if we want you to listen to the show anymore.
0: <laughs> Dang. Just I saying. was gonna go with attack. Like, you know, some font nerds. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, have them. Ge- let you know. Bring them into Mark's circle, and they're they can have right. a stronger font geekdom. Yeah. And I think Stephen's converted as a font geek <laughs> now. Yeah. So.
1: No. Yeah, that's a good that's a good angle. If there's anything you've heard on this show that has like really you know uh, piqued your interest, or like I want to, and, and as you, if you ever looked up anything as we're hearing about about the show, imagine sharing that with someone else. Not just that topic, but that opportunity to learn more about stuff.
0: That's the whole show, really. Learn more about stuff.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's our new tagline. We'll put that <laughs> on <our line>. a <laughs> sign
0: <laughs> with a big font.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It has been a while since we've done one of these, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can <an> tell. <laughs> Oof. I'm sorry. It's
3: I okay. Yeah, um,
2: it <laughs> y'all turned it around, though. Thank you. Um, <laughs> 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 well, speaking of yeah, speaking <laughs> of janky, um, call to action. <laughs> My topic is jank. Um, what a word. This yeah. Mm-hmm pretty good um there's a little bit of jank in the in the in the recording just a little just because you know and and
1: steven is here to convince you that that's a good thing
2: yes (laughs) dang it i'm not doing a good job uh (laughs) well that's that's exactly what you were going for (laughs) yeah that's kind of true too Uh (laughs) um okay so what is jank we're we here at nice games club are going to go on a journey because i can't i have not been able to define what this property jank is yet um the the idea of jank comes from you know like janky something that is you know uh not well produced it's got it's met it's it's a little messy you know
0: rough edges Mm
2: -hmm. it's got screw loose yeah Yeah. it's got screw loose things like that um and so the reason why I brought this up um, is because I was playing I was playing in um, Wonderland, the, the demo of this game that came out. It's I think it's by the um, by some of the creators who worked on Sonic games in the past. Um, and it was kind of funny, like the, the whole story. My my brother sent me because I, I, I saw the trailer or something. I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this game. My brother watched watches this group of people or whatever, and um, they like played through this demo and they had a whole conversation about how terrible the game was and all this stuff. Um my brother sent it to me and I watched this thing and I was like, "Huh, I'm curious about this." And Charles was like, "No." <laughs> Charles was like, "What's wrong with you?" So I downloaded the demo and immediately played him. I ta- I I tagged it. Um I tagged my brother and I was like, "Hey, I'm playing this game, you better watch it." Um, uh, and as I was playing, I was like, "Oh, this game's pretty cool." Um and my brother was not surprised at all. Um <laughs> because in the the reason he said it is because it it because the game was a little janky, um, and then I was like, "What?" I I immediately agreed with him because the like sometimes I am into some games that are just like weird or not quite right or something. Yeah. Um, and so like I I, I immediately agreed with him, but then I I uh, had a hard time understanding or trying to express what a a game with jank has in it. Right.
1: As a virtue
2: yeah as, as a virtue yes one that mm-hmm. like where, where it works for it so like I think I think when when okay when I use the term jank I do not I am not talking about games like Skyrim where you know there was that bug in the beginning where like if you got hit with the Giants Club or whatever you went skyrocketing into the air that's funny but it's it's like a <laughs> but it's Mind not YouTube clip <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got to find that that's a good point <laughs> Um, that's funny, but that's not really, um, that's like a, that's like glitchy and, and Mm -hmm. it's, 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 and it's not even an exploit. It's like an unintended, um, I don't know. It's like an unintended, like funny game glitch thing. That's not quite what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm kind of talking about games that like the, the, the game design itself is a little janky. Yeah. Not the, not the game itself
1: oh that's actually interesting we we've talked about mm-hmm. this a little bit leading up because you've been asking us like I want to I need to get my thesis <laughs> of jank in order so we can get yeah. this on the show
0: <laughs> right jank <laughs> manifesto yeah
1: <laughs> and yes. I, and either I wasn't listening or I hadn't heard it yet Um, you say that it's it, a lot of it is about the design not necessarily yeah. like the 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 feel which is how most yes. people associate jank with right
2: yeah exactly so like that's and 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 well i mean you will get a feeling of this i don't know it's it's like it's like a property okay i'm going back up maybe it'll help if we go over some examples mm-hmm. i think so yeah. if you and if you have if, if either of you two have examples that come to mind what i what all of this mess that i'm throwing at you that i don't know makes sense or not please please speak up yeah <laughs> um so, okay, I played Val in Wonderland. The way that this game works, it's a 3D platformer. It's kind of like, um, it's a little bit like Spyro. Um, mm-hmm. I was playing it with, yeah, some friends and somebody brought up that it was like, it was like Spyro. Um, but you kind of, you, you, you know, you just run around. The only, the only two actions really, you, the only two actions you can really do in the game is run and jump. And literally all of the face buttons mm-hmm. and the triggers on the controller do jump.
1: Like that is literally huh. the only action you have. <laughs> I, I that's, found that that's, that's an interesting design choice. I wonder how it, intentional that is.
2: I thought the same thing. And my brother was looking at me when I was like, oh, this is interesting. He was like, what is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I mean, and, and so that's part of the reason why I wanted to play it. But like what I think was interesting for me about it is that what happens is like you can you, you, you pick up costumes. And that costumes manipu- that costume manipulates your jump um, mm-hmm. so that you do different things. Like there's a there's a jump. Uh, you get a costume where like when you jump, you do like a crash bandicoot spin is at the yeah. same
1: time. And so you can like break through some blocks and stuff like that. But it's always that one button.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's always it, it's always. Yeah. But the only thing you can still do is jump. So like your spin is always or your spin is combined with the jump. Right. You can't um,
1: not do it. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, And then um, there's another costume where like you like when you're holding one, any of these jump buttons, you like stretch up so you can Mm -hmm. grab collectibles while you're, you know, stretched up like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I, I think for me, the reason why I was interested in, in this game in particular is because I was really curious to see what kind of things they could do with like these different costumes and stuff and like how. The level design and the game design would work to, you know, make an interesting game. Um, yeah.
1: Well, a little bit of it sounds like Mario Odyssey, where there's these little subsections where you get a suit or you, or not, you uh, uh, possess one of the creatures, and then yeah. you deal with that level with the language of that. And a lot of it is the buttons are the same or whatever. Um, yeah, it is. It is kind of like that. I, I did
2: misspoke misspeak a little bit in that like mm. there is the option to switch costumes which is a button
1: so that is oh, a okay action oh um, okay <laughs> yeah, so i like so it's kind of Mega Man then a little bit yeah
2: yeah yeah um mm. but what uh, additionally what else was like really weird about this game is that like as you're running around in this world like the world kind of like bends it looks like okay so you know like if you're a, a huge being um, and mm-hmm. you were on the globe. It w- you could see the globe bending. Right. It's um, so like a subtle
1: globe, animal crossing effect.
2: E- uh, kind of. It's like when you like when you're on this platform and the area around you is flat. But like all the areas like after a certain distance away from you bend as though you were like in an animal crossing effect sort of thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, And I found that to be super weird, but also interesting. So it's like, yeah, like so that that was also part of the reason why I kept playing. And then additionally, some of the like, as you're running around in this thing, like some characters would just like be like dancing for <laughs> no reason. Yeah. I don't know. They would just be doing some dancing. And as, as you approach, like if you get close
0: to them, they just like disappear. I can relate to that.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what
0: I do when I'm dancing and some person comes up to me. I'm out of there. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Fair enough. Um, yeah. They just like fade from existence. If you walk away from them, they come back. Like, yeah. fade back into existence and do their dancing thing. Uh, I don't know. It
1: was just really weird. A little trippy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at this trailer now. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, two thoughts. One is it reminded me immediately of Nights into Dreams.
2: Yeah, that was my... Um, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Which is a game I really liked as a kid. But as yeah. I got older and wiser, I realized it was an aesthetic mess. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm, That's what I'm seeing here. Yep, um, but there's. A, I think what I'm seeing in it, and this is the trailer, right? And so this mm-hmm. is their best put foot forward. But yeah. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of choices being made, but not a lot of direction in its styling yeah. and and look and like, mm-hmm. and so I wonder how that must extend to the design as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that
2: kind of sounds like what you're talk, What I'm talking about. Yes, Ellen. Um,
0: I'm going to I'm going to put on put on my Ellen cape here and start drilling down into what actually what jank really is. We're going to get to the crux of jank.
1: Evildoers beware, Ellen and her cape.
0: I'm leaning in. I'm leaning into the microphone here.
1: You need to see the stance that Ellen is is uh you know posing right now. It's get ready. I'm a little scared.
0: <laughs> if I were a lawyer, which I'm not, I would, this is the stance I would use when I'm cross-examining the witness yeah yeah um if i were a lawyer and i were dressed like i am right now <laughs> there's a reason i'm not a lawyer okay yeah. um
1: sorry i'm late i just came from fixing my motorcycle but <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm a bad girl of video game debates yeah yeah um about to get the job done uh, <laughs> so it's it, the way that you're talking about jank to me Stephen. feels yeah. like there's like an element of rough edgedness but it's delightful and therefore was either mm. either achieved accidentally or left in on purpose yes. so like the intent behind the roughness doesn't matter what matters is that there's a little bit of like a rough edge to some some elements of the design and yeah. that roughness itself is an element of joy in the game yeah so yeah, I said, Yeah, okay. Yep. All right. I'm glad that resonates with you because I want to run a couple of examples by you and some okay. counterexamples because counterexamples okay. are a great way to test the definition. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So okay. you said glitches aren't the same thing as jank, bugs aren't the same thing as jank. Yeah. Um, and that made me think about like Goat Simulator.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: That to me, that feels like a game where there's some jank. Like there's some yeah. weird stuff that happens with the physics yeah. in that game. Yeah. And it adds to the experience in a positive way.
2: Yep. Yep. That's definitely See that that's really fascinating too, because I definitely don't like a goat simulator. But yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I can't not yeah. describe it
1: as janky. It's definitely yeah. intentionally janky, which is I think yeah, one of the yeah. charms of an experience like that, and, and something mm-hmm. that I think it's achieved through nonsense that I think could better be achieved through elegance, which mm-hmm. is yeah. um if I if I'm if I'm invested in how this game works, if I, I'm wanting to do well, and I want to jump from this platform to that platform, but I, I can't really predict, like, how it will, how it will go, mm-hmm. um, I, am, I am freed from the obligation to care how it goes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, no longer, yeah. I'm, I'm no longer invested in the outcome because I don't have full control over it. And right. so that allows me to care about other things. Like yeah. how interesting it looks or how relaxing it is for me. And I'm less invested in like, did I make that jump or not? Um, yeah. So that's the case where something like goat simulator, like leans into that sort of thing. I don't know if that works for the examples you're
0: talking about though.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's a good point.
0: Let me give a couple more.
2: Yes. Yes. Continue. Because I,
0: I think if jank is going to work, as a design philosophy.
2: Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately <laughs> considering writing a talk on jank. I'm like, not even joking. Oh.
0: I think you could. But I, <laughs> okay. think, I think to get there, it's got to cut across genres, right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I think it can. So here, um, let me list a couple more examples of games I think have jank. And then a couple examples that don't have jank. Yes. So another ag- example of a game that I think has jank is mm-hmm. Humans Fall Flat. I don't know if you guys okay. have played that one.
2: I have played that game. That. Yeah,
0: Does it have jank? <sighs> He's thinking. This is what thinking sounds like.
2: I am thinking. Well, okay, so the, the games you're describing are like weird physics jokey simulator things, right?
0: Well, there's two examples. I'm only, I have a third. Okay, all right, that's
2: fair. That's fair. Um, okay. But oh, the, t- the two you did describe are that. Um, I'm having a hard time agreeing with even Fall Flat being janky. Okay. Because actually, like a lot of the, the, the mechanics of the game work together, even if everything like you're 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 human or whatever, like like flops around and stuff and looks silly while they're moving. But everything you're doing, like actually um, works like as a physical property sort yeah. of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, what's that one wrestling game that I can't stand? Uh, <laughs> it's It's got the same kind of physics thing. I can't think of what the name of it you mean. Gang beast yes gang beast that game I don't like it
1: I was like, uh, rest, rest, I was actually thinking about that before when you said wrestling it didn't come to me and I'm like oh right one of the levels is a wrestling ring
2: yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> why I thought that um whereas like with gang Beasts, like the, the physics I feel like are I think that like I think they probably all like physically make a lot of sense and stuff but I think it's at the yeah. detriment
1: of the game mm. um it's all intentional right yeah. it's intentional right in
2: gang beast and human fall flat
1: yeah when you combine two game mechanics, you get a third game mechanic, right? Yeah. Like you get, mm-hmm. and, but you didn't design that game mechanic. It's the result of the two you put into the pot. So yeah. maybe the difference is that with something like Gang Beasts or, or Humans Fall Flat is that all of it is intentional and considered. Whereas yeah. in this, in this, you know, in, in uh, the one you were uh, citing, yeah. it's maybe that's what you're feeling is that like, this is a thing, but it doesn't seem like it was that way on purpose.
2: Or it was done on purpose, but like in a way that doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or doesn't feel know. like it makes sense. Like it maybe it, it, yeah. it, it's independent of the truth of the matter, but how yeah. it feels as you play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ellen, you haven't. Oh, go
2: ahead. I still ahead. think we're
0: making progress. Ellen's like gonna a, crack this. Yeah. We're we're gonna get to the bottom of this. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna, gonna get do to it. the bottom of jank.
3: We're gonna yeah. do it. Um,
0: yeah. Well, it's interesting? I mean, I'm I'm. Glad that I'm coming up with examples that are challenging you one way or the other because that's yes. how we circle around. You know, that's how we tighten the spiral. Um, it's interesting. That when I was thinking about when I was trying to think of examples, I also tried to think of like a counterexample that was somewhat similar. And mm-hmm. Humans Fall Flat is weird because it's like a cooperative puzzle. It's a cooperative yeah. puzzle solving game, and there are yes. lots of single player puzzle solving games. So yeah. the, the one that immediately came to mind as a game that doesn't have any jank. That's a puzzle game. Is inside. Um, oh
2: yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no I jank. I call that janky. Mm-hmm. No,
0: there's no jank oh, in that game. No,
2: there's no jank. Well, and that's. I think there's something there. I think my Mark, you were right too. Like I think that the intentionality of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a lack of intentionality.
1: Right. <laughs> that is in the
2: property of jank Inside a is
1: a is a painting that you you interact with right it's so specific Mm -hmm. everything is by design there's very little emergent gameplay there's no emergent gameplay in inside and so that Uh and and so it is immune to jank in the sense that you're describing it anyway okay yeah there's probably some physics wiggles here and there that are odd but that's not what we're talking about i don't think so
2: i don't i also don't think that emergent gameplay is necessarily jank um
1: either but it, it's guess. the playground in which jank can grow or like flourish and it's
2: the, it's yeah, the right? soil
0: where the seed of jank yep. may sprout
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
2: i very much appreciate y'all playing around with
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> okay i have i have one last example and, and an appropriate counterexample, which i think okay. might. well gosh i really i've now i'm talking it up so i really hope it's impactful <laughs> to our conversation i hope so too
1: That's how she does her closing argument. She's like, "Ah, you know, I might not convince you, but... But I I will. ...gives the best closing argument. (laughs) Just to set your expectations and then wow you. Yeah.
0: I don't need to convince you, Stephen. You need to convince yourself. (laughs) You're right.
1: (laughs) She knows it's true, but...
0: (laughs) Stephen just ran off. I don't know where he went. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so... The last two games I have are both games where you're working with a team to accomplish a goal. Yeah. And the non-janky version, this is just my, this is just me tossing out ideas so that you can shoot yep. them down in yes. in the yes. endeavor of getting closer to to the definition of jank. Right. Overcooked. I don't think that has as much jank, or may even not be janky at all. It might not be janky at all, especially compared to Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. And okay. Lover Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time to me is a game that has some of those rough edges, whether yeah. they were in there purposefully or not. It, it's got some of those rough edges, like your spaceship bumps into stuff and yeah. everyone's yelling. But it's like so joyful and hilarious that it's like not it's it's it definitely feeds into the game being delightful. Overcooked, yeah. there are like there's deliberate difficulty in that game. Yeah. But I don't think there's that sense of jank. It actually feels much more tightly tuned. But it's weird because people get angry. Playing
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I've seen it yeah. over and over
0: and over again. They definitely do. And even though Lovers in a dangerous space, time isn't as tight. Like the environments aren't as tightly tuned. I've never mm-hmm. seen anyone get angry playing that game.
1: That's so. That is a really interesting comparison because mechanically yeah. they're nearly identical. Yeah. You you move you fizi- every individual characters mm-hmm. physically move around a shared space at different stations and are mm-hmm. and and tasked with I mean in overcooked it's more like you're operating a machine that ha- that uh, that has a set of instructions right build, make these yeah. burgers mm-hmm. um, whereas lovers in danish spacetime you you do also make decisions together about like where to go and mm-hmm. what so there's there there's more space for discussion whereas in overcooked it's do this or you suck at it like yeah, um, yeah. so <laughs> i, I want so that's a difference but i the way you describe the feeling of it, I think you're dead on like uh, uh, lovers and dangerous bumping into something doesn't feel like a mistake. The way bumping into something in overcooked feels like a mistake
3: Mm.
1: Uh, on the, on the part of the player.
2: I definitely agree that overcooked, I I would argue does not have jank. I'm having a hard time agreeing with lovers and a dangerous space time. I, I can see it having some jank. Mm-hmm. i see your point in, in having some jank <laughs> whatever that property is um <laughs> i i guess i wouldn't call it super janky but i i i think yeah. i think there's i think it has some jank in it i think that yeah. a little bit anyways i think that i think that that's fair just a, i think just that's a touch fair. pinch <laughs> yeah a the pinch <laughs> <laughs> they added the special spot <laughs> you know yeah um yeah i mean okay so i'll 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 i'll, I'll um i'll listen a, a, another example of a game that i think has jank because i i feel like this game is like the epitome of jank almost mm-hmm. um, maybe not i don't know i might be talking up too much anyways there's this game on xbox 360 called bullet witch mm-hmm. that i played you're a witch who has the giant gun and shoots things with it but also can cast spells
0: not bayonetta
2: it's not Bayonetta.
0: Okay. No, Bayonetta
2: is um a good game.
1: <laughs> Bullet
2: oh. Witch
0: is not. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that being
2: said, I did enjoy that game.
1: I'm looking yeah. at some screenshots of this thing. It's not it's yeah, yeah it's okay. not a good game. Um but like <laughs> it's got some real yeah. emo energy.
2: But I still really enjoyed <laughs> that game when I was playing it. Yeah. Even though there were, I mean, there were, and there were a lot of parts that frustrated me too, because like there, I, there were a lot of things you could tell, like they didn't finish and stuff. Like a lot of the spaces are barren, but you're like, yeah. and it takes you a long time to walk through these spaces and not mm-hmm. shoot anything. And it's like, why, why do I even have this gun? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like when, I mean, when you're actually doing the fights and stuff, and like you could like conjure up a wall so you have cover. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and then like you can also like throw out a rose and it would, um, shoot out spikes in the ground and things like that I, that had it has a lot it has a lot of jank
1: okay how about this as a what this defining yeah. it in the way i'm go- about to might yes. allow you to exclude lovers in a dangerous space time okay even though ellen and i both disagree with you um, sure, that's fair <laughs> w- what if this definition is 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 like a Um, it requires unfinished ideas. So I'm looking at some gameplay of Bullet Witch and seeing what's, like, what it has and what might be, what you're describing as, like, these empty spaces and things that's missing, but the mechanics are basically there. Maybe that's the idea, that, like, it's an unfinished idea. And so it's got everything you need to have fun, but not everything that it needs to be complete. And so so that's fine, but it's not, it's just not all the way there. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, OK, that's yeah, whereas lovers in a that dangerous means- space time. Like, I really like Ellen's definition of it as a janky game
3: mm-hmm. uh, in
1: terms of how it feels. But right. I, that is definitely a complete idea. That game is, you know, there's nothing yeah. missing from that game.
2: Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. I feel like there is a as a property of unfinishedness. That is required in order for it to, at least for me, for it to feel janky.
1: Yeah, Um, Uh, and that ties it back to other definitions of jank, which is about like bugs and glitches. That's the that's the that's the shared definition between those two concepts.
2: So,
0: can I offer an analogy? Sure. Yes. So, in the definition of jank that I put forward, either now we have competing definitions of jank, competing theories (laughs) of jank.
3: Um,
0: (laughs) In Ellen's theory of jank, there's like. Rough edges and whether they were intentionally rough or they were forgotten, like someone forgot to finish them, they're yes. there and they're a positive impact on the experience of the game. So for the analogy is like you buy some pre-ripped jeans, you know, like there are holes in the jeans and there's, sure. there's some or like they're not they don't have a seam at the bottom, but that seam was maybe left unfinished intentionally. It's part of the whole right. experience of the jeans.
1: Yeah, that has intentionality.
0: Or it, it doesn't matter in the Ellen in the Ellen theory oh, of I jank. See. Okay. It do, the intentionality doesn't matter. It can right. okay. be. They said, "Oh, we forgot to finish these edges, but they're fine the way they are. Leave it."
3: Yeah.
0: With Stephen's theory of jank, someone was like, "This, these jeans are perfect. Ship them." And then they get into the customer, and the customer was like, "What the heck is this in this pocket? <laughs> like, did yeah. they forget this?" Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's yeah. hilarious. You know, like so it wasn't intentional. But that there's still that same, there's still that idea of roughness.
1: Yeah. Or even better, it's the player cannot suss out whether it was or wasn't intentional. <laughs> and that con- that confusion might be pivotal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, like Ellen in, in your analogy, it was like, what is this? Did they forget to sew this pocket together? Or did they do it on purpose? Like,
3: <laughs> yeah. you're
1: never going to know. You could guess, right? Yeah. Maybe that's part of it.
2: I, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. I think we're all in agreement, you know, mm-hmm. as, as jank experts here in Nice Games Club. Uh, <laughs> I think we're all in agreement <laughs> that roughness is a, is a core property of jank, right? Like, yeah. you can't yeah. just, like, it, there has to be some, in and, and that roughness can materialize in any form, but it, it's gotta, it's gotta be a part of like the game design, I think. So, like, mm-hmm. Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, um, has that roughness in that, like, you know, two players can bump into one another and have a little bit of conflict. They'll be like, why are you in my way? But, like, it never gets to the... It never is a detriment to the game. It also can feel like the the, the pacing and, I guess, the feel of the game has that bumpiness to it that makes mm-hmm. it feel good. Hmm. Uh, I guess... And I guess my argument is, like, there has to be a little bit of unfinished property to the, the, game, to the game in order for it to also feel janky. But I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. That is my instinct mm-hmm. as the, uh, uh, that is my instinct, I guess, towards this. But I don't know that that's necessarily, I don't know that that's true. Like, I, 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 I would agree that I think that Lovers in a Dangerous Spacetime has a little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as much as you two think. Uh, but I mean, there's some, there's some, there's, there's, and
1: importantly, not in the, not in the, um, uh, not in the way that other people might describe it because it's not an insult yes. to that game. Which yeah. Is a very oh polished yeah. Experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah,
2: damn, That game's great. Um but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some more thinking. Because if I'm ever gonna write this talk, I have to actively define yeah. what the heck this thing is. Um, I feel
0: like I mean, as we're closing out this episode, I do feel yeah. like we're we're getting closer we are. to the shores of solid ground yeah. around jank as as a <laughs> concept.
1: Ellen's angling yes. for you to rule in her favor. <laughs> <laughs> like, wouldn't you say, Stephen, wouldn't you say that Ellen was right?
0: <laughs> I agreed with a
2: lot of your points, Ellen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not ready to say you're completely
1: right. I know you like being right, but.
0: <laughs> I just want to, I want to see that look of Eureka on Stephen's face and yeah. hear it in his voice.
1: When he discovers, he's like, oh my God, I figured it out. Ellen's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, we've all been there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. It's very true.
0: (laughs) And that's our show. (laughs) Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general and on your theories about jank. Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and tool recommendations by Holly Harrison. Or you can email us through contact at NiceGames.Club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways! Give us a review on your favorite podcast app, tell your friends about your favorite episodes, like this one, or join us on Discord by visiting NiceGames.Club. discord And now, we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes and more sign up at patreon.com/nicegamesclub
1: so until we start again remember to play nice
0: and make nice
2: We can end there. I don't have anything else to say, I guess.
0: we'll we'll come back to jank. This is not the first time we'll talk about (laughs) jank. I'm sure.
2: Jank part two, the
0: (laughs) jank. (sighs)
3: Oh,